The reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 5, beginning at verse 22, and you'll find it on page 60 of your Bibles. So, Exodus chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord? Why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to God, Jacob, as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses repeated this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. This is the word of the Lord. Great, Joe. Thanks uh, very much. You read that brilliantly. You, always, you can always tell when, um, as is often the case here at St. Dee's, when people have read the passage to understand it in order to read it, not just as a piece of literature, but as uh, God speaking to us. And uh, I think that was evident, Joe, in the way you read that. Thank you. Thanks, Tim, for those prayers, too. Uh, let's pray. I confess, actually, if I'm honest, I, f- I just feel quite a heaviness, personally. Um, I'd love you just, in these few moments, just to pray for... Um, burdens to be lifted. I don't know what it is. Um, Lord, I just, I, I, as I stand here now, I renounce the enemy. We'd love just to, you know, dampen and um, reduce. And I just point him to the foot of the cross. So that's where your destiny is. You are destroyed and defeated. You have no right to mess and meddle with God's own people. Father, thank you for your word for its life, its power, its efficacy. And we pray now that you would speak through your word by your spirit. Father, I declare that I am your child. I know exactly who I am in you. 
and I stand in the full right and authority and stature that you have given me through Jesus. And I ask that you'd help me to speak boldly and clearly and courageously that we might all be fed and girded and equipped for battle, encouraged to live life as you're calling us to live it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen, amen. Um, Page 60, page 60. Please have that open. We're in this, uh, the unfolding of the story of God. And uh, today you'll see from the title on the sermon card, if you haven't got one of those, I'm sure there's spares at the back, do take them so you know what's coming up and you can pre-prayer and be ready to receive from the Lord. Uh, Today, the God who remembers his covenant. Covenant is just the way in which God makes relationship. The God who remembers his relationship, the God who is faithful, the God who is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Have you ever had anyone break a promise on you? Ever been let down? Someone promised you something and they didn't deliver? Might have been a senior colleague or boss at work. Yeah, I know there's you know, more perks, promotion, pay. Doesn't quite come off. It's all the more galling, isn't it, when there's a promise held out that, that elicits hope in us. It draws out hope of, of a brighter or a better or more fulfilling future. And we begin to look forward into that future of hope. And it sustains us now. So when that hope is dashed, when the promise is not fulfilled, it doesn't come to, come to pass, we, we kind of sink back all the more wearily, all the more heavily into the reality of the present. Broken promises. And in a sense, we... I mean, I was thinking about this. I, um, lots of promises. My, my dad is a fantastic man. Um, he just treated me in, in so many ways. But I, I, I remember I was about six or seven. And at the time, Leeds United were the team of the, 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 the day. And uh, I wanted to go and watch Leeds United at Elland Road in Leeds. We lived in London. And um, I remember, I'm sure I remember dad saying, that's a great, let's do that. It's a great idea. And it never quite happened. I kind of, I think, I don't, I'm not sure, to be fair to dad, I, just, it was, I think it was one of those sort of, he was busy or distracted. It's one of those lines. And just, I'm sure, but I, I, I just, that was, that was hope. <laughs> a trip to Edinburgh. And I held on to the promise. And it didn't come to pass. There were two people in the week I've been um, speaking to, they promised they'd be here this morning. As I look out, they're not here. I feel slightly, marginally let down. By that. All the time happens to us. Promises. And we're let down. God, in this unfolding story of uh, God and his people, God is the covenant God. He's the promise-making God. Just very quick recap. I'm sure a number of you will be familiar. But um, to Abraham, as is mentioned in this reading, to Abraham, he promised three things. He promised he would create a people through Abraham. He'd give them a place, Canaan, the promised land. And he'd be with them. He promised his presence. People, place, presence. How is the promise keeper doing as the story unfolds? Let's have a look. Just, just flick back a page or two. 
to um, chapter 1, verse 7. We're in Egypt, at the start of this uh, story of Exodus. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation had moved to Egypt. Verse 7, the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. So on part one of the promise, people place presence. People, yes, God is cashing in on his promise. He's, he's growing a people, the descendants of Abraham, a people who will be called by his name. So that's good. Tick. But what about place? See, as we remembered uh, last week, Ang Harrod's excellent talk. If you missed it, do download it from the uh, website. It was absolutely fantastic. And uh, we saw God appear to Moses in compassion, the God who commissions. And uh, look, verse 8 of chapter 3, just back a couple of pages. As we ask ourselves, how is the promise keeper doing? This is what he said to Moses. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, and so on. So he's rehearsing the promise he made to Abraham. He's rehearsing it to Moses. Are they in that new land yet? No, they're not. In fact, they're being driven even harder by this anonymous, faceless slave driver of a pharaoh. God to Abraham, I'll make a great people. Yes, looks like it's coming to pass. I will, I'll give you a place. No way. Not happening. What about a presence? What about God's presence with him? Well, if uh, you just scan up um, basically chapter 5, I haven't got time to read it all, but chapter 5 is when Moses, having seen God reveal himself to us, as we heard last week, has gone to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh has basically said, you must be joking. Not only that, he's made their work even harder. Whereas before, they had to make their bricks that they were making for the pyramids and so on. They had to make them with straw they collected themselves. Look at verse 18. Pharaoh says, now get back to work, and you'll not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The work level is the same, but it's going to be even harder for you to produce that work. Where's God in all of that? Completely naked. Moses naked before Pharaoh. He'd shown him all these signs, the staff and the snake and back. Then where are you now? Where is this place you've promised? And where are you to, to help me? Where are your powerful signs to convict and convince Pharaoh? Promise keeper. That's why verse 22. Joe was right to read it with kind of this, you know, this sense of disappointment and kind of resentment. Why, Lord? Why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? that resonate? It's hard. It's tough. It kind of feels like making bricks without straw. It seems like life is getting harder and tougher out there. There are pharaohs around driving us with whips the workplace, or expectations of friends and colleagues, neighbours. One of our children, bless them, we were talking about stuff at school, and uh, they said, sometimes I wish I wasn't a Christian. Right, bless them, I really I sort of thought it was amazing that they were able to say that. It's just real. It would just, sometimes it would just be so much easier to go with the crowd. Actually indicated 
to me there was a fair amount of you know, understanding of resistance and, and standing up for what is right and what's true. But I, I heard that. Pain. Uh, you know, why can't you hear it in Moses? Why is this why you've sent me? Why me? Why can't I just slip back to just being anonymous with all the people? My head's above the parapet and it hurts. Who do we look to when we feel life is tough? Who do we look to to cash in on the promises? When we sow seeds of gospel truth and we feel we're just rebutted, when we're trying to draw alongside friends and colleagues and just, it seems like seed on stony ground, it just bounces off. And yet God has promised that the kingdom is advancing. God has promised that his life will draw more and more. It's like a, a tiny seed grows into a huge plant. Where is this growth? Where are the, where's the response? We feel disappointed, let down. Who do you go to? Not to Pharaoh. See, Pharaoh is just this anonymous slave driver. One of the reasons why it's quite difficult for the scholars to date Exodus, when exactly did all this take place, these significant events, the reason why it's difficult to date them is because um, usually you date the Old Testament with kings. Uh, the name of the king, you'd work out when they rule from dates in their tomb and that kind of thing, so you can work out when stuff happened. But we're not told it's just Pharaoh or king of Egypt. Which king? Which Pharaoh? We don't know. See, Pharaoh, interesting, in the text, Pharaoh's name is not revealed. We don't know who he is. He just makes life harder. He just drives us, drives us, drives us. Who do we go to? Not to someone anonymous. When, when life seems tough, when we're, we're not sure of the promises of God, we go to him, the promise maker. Because he has revealed to us his name. And Harry touched on this last week. It's worth just reminding ourselves and refreshing ourselves. Verse 2 of chapter 6. He said to Moses, look, I'm, uh, don't worry. I'm going to, I haven't forgotten my promises. I'm going, to, I'm going to act. Verse 2, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Lord, in capital letters there, it is Yahweh. God reveals himself to Moses by saying, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And the third person of that, he is who he is, or he will be who he will be, is the Hebrew word Yahweh. So when God speaks to us, he says, I am. And when we speak of God's name, when we address God's name, or the people of Israel did, they say he is, Yahweh. And the, the notion of that in the English translation is Lord in capital letters. God is saying, I, I want you to know me. I have a name. And behind my name is character, is, is the very essence of who I am. And I want you to know that, first and foremost. When it comes to promises, when it comes to action. Look what he says, verse 3. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. That's his title. God Almighty. It's job, job spec. Yahweh, his title is God Almighty. His name Yahweh. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. But he has to Moses. He has to you and I. I walk around the parish and I introduce myself. I could introduce myself as the vicar. Hi, I'm the vicar. And in a sense, you know, I'd be, I'd be 
forming relationship. But if I really wanted people to know me, I'd say, hi, I'm the vicar, I'm Tim. I love, you know, Zebedee just down the road, little nursery school, and they, they call me Vicar Tim. It's quite a nice composite. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do, but it's who I am. That's what the Lord is doing here. Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I'm not, I'm not some kind of um, distant deity. I'm, uh, I'm not some kind of... Uh, formula you sort of just punch in the numbers and get what you want i'm a person know me come to me you've heard the promises you're wondering where are they what's happening come to me i am the lord do you do you know god title personally the lord Do you know him as the Lord? The one who has come and revealed himself to you. Very quickly. Three aspects of this promise-keeping God. He's the God of covenant faithfulness. In these few verses, verses 2 to 8, an extraordinary rich reminder of who God is. First, he's the God of covenant faithfulness. He's the promise-keeping God. Verse 4, I establish my covenant with them, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving. I have remembered my covenant. I'm the promise-keeping God. I established it. I know the situation you are in. I have remembered my covenant. Remembering to the Lord is not like we... We kind of remember as in, oh, I mustn't forget. You know, we've, oh, I've run out of milk. I must, I must remember to get some milk. It's, it's that kind of thing. Are you with me? <laughs> God, it's an active thing. He remembers and will act. He's the promise-keeping God who remembers his covenant and he will act. Look what he says Verse 6, therefore, having revealed and reminded Moses, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. There it is again. I'm Yahweh. You know, as we encourage one another, as we work amongst pharaohs, people who drive us, forces that drive us, in the spiritual battle, the things that contort and squash and reduce and eventually look to kill off the life of God in us, we need to remind one another I am Yahweh. God has revealed himself to us. And he is the God who made the covenant, hears the pain, hears the trauma, hears the trouble, and will act. He will act. But how? Moses might have said, we might ask, how? How will God act? Secondly, he'll act because he's the God of restoring grace. He's the God who rescues. He has seen, he will come, he will rescue. Look at verse six. Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will bring you out, I will free you, I will redeem you. 
Escape from slavery through a redemptive act. Do you remember the shadow and reality? As we get used to and familiar with the shadow, God redeeming a people out of slavery into freedom, we think of the reality, Jesus. And, and as if we didn't need any help, then look at this. Uh, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Personal involvement. Supposing you said to me, oh, Tim, uh, I just need a bit of clearing up in my house. You couldn't just come around and give me a hand. And uh, as I come around, if, supposing I was to do this, so supposing I was to roll up my sleeves, without saying, what would that indicate? If I rolled up my sleeves, it means I'm, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, okay, where's, where's, let's, let's get to work. I'm, I'm going to, you know, my outstretched arm, my bared arm, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be right in there with you. God is going to redeem and rescue his people with his outstretched arm. He's going to be personally involved in the rescue. Again, shadow, reality. Can you think of a time when God personally became involved in our rescue? We're going to remember it in just a few moments. We see it here in shadow form, but we know the reality. He's the God of rescuing, redeeming grace. That's how he cashes out his promise. As he's done it, we've seen it. He's been faithful to the people of Israel. Can we dare this morning to cling hold to his promises? Those of us who feel maybe in a pit, those for whom God seems far away, for those of us where we long for some kind of rescue, the end to be in sight. He has done it. He promises he will do it. He's the God of covenant faithfulness. He's the God of restoring grace. Finally, thirdly, he's the God of empowering presence. Look at verse 7. Note the possessive adjectives. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will take you personally. My outstretched arm, I'm going to get involved. I will bear you along the journey, the exodus, out of slavery into freedom. I will do it. Not Pharaoh. Pharaoh's not going to do it. You go to Pharaoh and ask him, He's just, his heart will go cold. He won't do it. It's not Moses, actually. Moses is just my mouthpiece. He's the person I've raised up to uh, prophetically lead you. But I am the one. I'll do it. I will make the opportunity. Um, during the Passover, we'll come to that next week. I will part the Red Sea. I'll supply all you need in the desert. I'll dictate and direct you, your paths. I, I, I. And God will do it because he is their God. I am your God. You are my people. The possessive adjective is, is very significant. Joe Douglas read the lesson. She's Joe. I'm married to Joe. She's Joe Stilwell is my Joe. It would be inappropriate for me to refer to Joe Douglas as my Joe. He's a good friend. We go back a long way. I like Joe. Respect her. Great reader. But I can't call her my Joe. She said, although we have good friendship, it's not the same as Joe Stilwell. God says here, you are my people. He's not, he's not just any old God. We sort of have a look on the shelf. Which God is going to rescue us today? Oh, that one looks a good bet. No, we, we are, we're in covenant with the promise-making, covenant-keeping God. He's faithful to it. He rescues according to it. And he lives amongst us. He's present with us because he is our God and we are his people. Verse 2 and verse 
8, and with this I finish, they have um, what's known in um, the Bible as an inclusio. It's like a sort of bookend, a beginning and an end, the same thing. Do you see the start of verse 2? God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. And then at the end of verse 8, I am the Lord. In other words, I've revealed myself to you. And in that revelation, look what he says. He promises to keep his word. He promises that he feels our pain. He promises to set us free. He promises to bring us close to him. He promises that eventually he will lead us home. I am the Lord, the promise keeper, the covenant faithful God. Just a moment or two of quiet as we prepare to come to communion, to the great covenant uh, activity. But just a moment for us. Maybe amid trial or weariness. Maybe if we feel in some way like Moses did. To renew our faith in the covenant-keeping God. We come to take part in this great covenant feast. We remember that he has supplied us with all our needs. He meets us in the sacrament of communion. Having rescued us, he's the one who will empower us.